You're listening to the smartest guys in marketing, the best show on the planet for client businesses to learn about traffic, funnels, sales, conversions, and marketing coolness. Chris and Taylor are the founders of Traffic and Funnels, a digital marketing consultancy helping you get paid clients from cold traffic daily. Now, here are your hosts, Chris and Taylor. Should I start investing first or pay off debt? That's all you, bro. I know you like that. My, I have a lot of people who ask me for money advice now because I'm very involved in my church and I'm almost in two worlds, right? Like I think Chris, you're kind of the same way where it's like I'm in the business world and then there's like outside of the business where mm-hmm. I'm around people who don't have any clue what I do at work. But people have started noticing in the last two or three years, hey, what do you do? Like, why do you keep bringing Teslas to church? Like, are you borrowing them? Like, hey, what are you doing with your life? Like, they don't understand that I'm like, I'm not a full-time musician. I just do it on the side. And so I've developed friendships and I think people are starting to ask me all the time. And my number one advice, which is going to probably make half of you hate me, just happened the other day. Someone was like, hey, I just got 10 grand. What should I do with it? And I said, don't pay off any debt. He was like, because we're as a culture, as a society, we are obsessed with getting out of debt. Obsessed. This is my thing is like, when it comes down to it, I would rather carry debt and use that free cash flow to improve my skill set. Your greatest asset is not a debt free existence. Your greatest asset is your ability to produce income whenever you want it, whenever you need it. And so my advice to him was take the 10K, put it in your bank account, leave it for a good six months because you are emotionally connected to being poor. All your identity is wrapped up in like not having money. Yep. So you have to actually give yourself time to see, yeah, I got 10K in a bank account. Don't spend any of it. Just leave it there and let your emotions grow out of this attachment to poverty and what happens is you start thinking like I'm a person with money and then I'll tell you what to do to invest it. So 100%, like I think that paying off debt is like something you should do out of an overflow of a skill set, not something that you should be in bondage to and trying to pay it off as soon as you can. Like, no, nah, man, like if you're worried about paying off debt, your assets broke up here. So take the free cash flow, go improve your asset up here. And it's like, Dude, we have debt right now and I'm not even worried about it because like, I can produce income whenever I want. You have thoughts on that? I just think that the whole system and how we've been raised is screwed up. And if you look at billionaires, billionaires have debt. They leverage, they utilize debt. They utilize other people's money. It's brilliant. You know, we, what we tend to do, a little insider secret, is you know, we spend a lot of money on advertising. And so what we'll do is we will use a credit card company's money for 30 days. And then we'll go and we'll use a bank line of credit for another 30 days. Right. We, we don't, we're not going into debt, but we are utilizing other people's money for our own cash flow means. It's brilliant. So I guarantee that probably a lot of you on here have a very unhealthy relationship with money and debt and how to utilize it properly. 100% bro. That's, that's the side benefit of client kit. You end up getting broken by that. Love it. Cool. What is the best way to find your ideal client type? Chris? Comes down to your offer and the solution that your offer provides and who meets that. 
And again, your toleration, right? What kind of client are you willing to tolerate? How much money are you willing to accept, tolerate for that result? And once you have that and you have clarity on those things, then it makes it a lot easier in regards on how to find your ideal client. So for example, if you know I'm a financial advisor and I just like, oh yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna help anybody that has some money with insurance. Right? There's no specificity on that. There's no clarity on that. I don't know who to focus on. Right? But if I say, well, I want someone who they are retired, they're 60 years or above, they have a minimum of $1 million cash net worth, then I can jump in and figure out what their pains are, what their problems are, what they hate, what they don't want to deal with, what they're terrified of. Mm. And then I could build a bridge from where they are to where I'm at in regards to speaking to their belief system and explaining the value that I have to bring to them to help them with all those things that they're dealing with. And then based on that, I would go out and I would do some of our organic, organic stuff that we teach in client kit on validating that messaging to that market, connect with people on Facebook, LinkedIn, email, and then once I get people to respond, they raise their hand, that million dollar net worth person, like, oh yeah, Chris, that's awesome. Let's talk. Right. Then I get credit cards from them. And then I start to take that to automation. That's where we have ads. We have some kind of lead magnet. So that was a really, really quick rundown. So how do I know how far to niche it down? How far is too far? Is there such a thing? Yeah, there is such a thing as niching down too far and it's when you niche yourself out of a market. So our preferred way of niching is actually problem specific. And I think that this might shift over the next coming you know, few years and go full circle. But there for a while, it was like the smart, cool, hip thing to do to be industry specific in terms of niche. So you got you have Dan Kennedy who's selling programs for chiropractors, programs for dentists, programs. It's the same program, but he's just niching it into different industries. And I think we kind of out we did that out. Like we kind of burned it. And now it's more like problem specific. So people who really have a tough time getting leads, you might have multiple different industries in that, but it's the same problem. Yeah. And so I think if you niche into like problem and industry, you're probably a little too far. Because then there's going to be like maybe 10 people, unless it's like a massive industry, massive problem. Just kind of depends. It also depends on just their response. Right? Like for, for me, in regards to a paid ads guy, typically my goal is to do minimum work and we call it minimum viability. So if I'm going to a brand new market, I want to put some of the minimum, like I'm, I'm as, I have assumptions about that market. Hopefully I've talked to people, I've inquired, I've questioned people to get some kind of data. I go to market, it might be a, a video on Facebook, and hopefully my goal is I'm going to get people to respond. If not, I'll measure, I'll tweak, and I'll adjust, and I'll go back to market and get some kind of response to build on top of. And you just want to get to that as quick as possible and get to a path of collecting credit cards over and over and over again, right? And we basically call that cream on the top, cream on the top. And as the market develops, as you have a lot of other competitors seeing that you're successful as we have, even just people that have seen what we've done successfully 
and have stolen a lot of our stuff, ripped us off, try to do the same thing as us because they think it's easy. We have to tweak and we have to innovate and we have to adjust. All right. Um, why do you keep investing in Tesla? All right. I'll tell you why I keep investing in Tesla. When John Rockefeller first stumbled upon oil, he started selling it. Selling it, he got into the business of production. When someone can control production, they can become very rich and very successful, but they're not safe because someone else can come in and compete with you on production. When he started buying railroads, he became a conglomerate. He became unstoppable. He became a force that no one could dethrone because he owned distribution and production. So a business can own distribution. You can compete with them. All right. FedEx and UPS are competitors. A business can own production. You can compete with them. Okay. Walmart and Target are producers. A business owning production and distribution, you got Amazon, are going to take over the whole market. Does that make sense? You with me? Yeah, 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 yeah. So Rockefeller owned oil. He owned the railroads. He could go and put every other oil maker out of business and say, you cannot use my railroads. He owned the market. All right. So Tesla's not a car company. Tesla's battery storage that happens to make cars. The owner of Tesla also owns Solar City. He also owns SpaceX. Solar City is production. Tesla is storage. And the supercharger network that covers the whole of the United States, there's $5 billion of infrastructure in the superchargers. He owns distribution. So he owns the creation of power. Solar City can go create power from solar. What do they pay to do that? How many of you know how much you pay the sun to produce energy? Anybody want to guess? Zero. He's creating energy from the sun and he's selling it to other companies. So he owns production, storage, and distribution. So even if the Tesla car company doesn't work out, like Tesla's still going to make it because they're not a car company. They're a technology battery storage company. That's my bet. 